sorry, everyone who've heard Remain again. I have said sorry many yeah, times and sorry. frustrated myself before you, so I don't think I need to fucking go away too much. It's not all your fault, Ben, don't worry. <laughs> Welcome back to the Great Unraveling Podcast. I'm Matt, I'm the producer of this show and long-time suffering friend of political commentator and co-host Ben Kelly. Hello. Who you can find at The Skeptic Isle on Twitter, he tells me to say that. Uh, Ben's returned from his brief mental wobble, thankfully. Um, We're back fortnightly bollocking on about current affairs and social issues with whatever guest we might have managed to con into joining us. Please enjoy. Hi Ben, how you doing? I'm alright now, thank you, after a long break, mental health okay. break. But, that's not what we're talking about today. No, it's not. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Brexit again, but we're here with my old pal Roland, who's been with me on our little mutual parallel Brexit journey all the way from 2000, uh, late to 2015. Yeah, this right. is actually the only fourth time I've ever heard him actually speak in real, in real life. <laughs> Weird enough. Um, so, uh, welcome, Roland. Hello, hi. How, how are you? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm pretty good actually. Thanks. Armed with a gin, so we'll see how this goes. You said you introduced him as Roland, but you didn't actually say his, his full name, did you? Roland Smith. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's former Brexit spotter. Was on your on Newsnight. Yeah. Some a lot of popular blogs. Former, you know, fellow of the uh, Adam Smith Institute. Uh, also, the guy who went from supporting Brexit to tweeting earlier today, Gove and Frost, two bald men fighting over a code made of excrement. <laughs> and retweeting the parody okay. of Larry the Cat, saying, turns out Gove is a fan of elected bureaucrats being handed power. But avoid Brexit several years ago, just like me. Uh, it's, it's, that's, uh, that's a strange end point, end point from where we began, so that's, we're going to dig into that a little bit. Um headlines bbc news brexit charges why is my own land shopping more expensive customs charges that's why brexit eu citizens in the uk at risk of deportation the times annual 7.5 billion cost of eu trade as bad for business as a no deal brexit it's all going spiffingly after brexit the the uk and eu risk a state of permanent alert and uh, some optimism in the guardian Funnily enough, Northern Ireland firms optimistic Brexit barriers will be eased. Of course, Nissan has full confidence in Britain after Brexit deal, says the Telegraph. So there we go. Might return to some of these uh, later when we talk about where we are now. Uh, and we're going to go start by going back. How did you get to where you are now, which is basically a critic of Brexit and a regretter 
It's a horrible word, sorry. Rebater. <laughs> that is a word that some people have used, yeah, it's terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But rem- or remainer now. Oh, a bit late for that now. So that's not really a thing, I suppose. You know what I mean? Um, same as me. When you talk about Brexit, you're mostly criticising it and regretting it. So, But your history goes back a bit further than mine. So in my mind, it's more your fault and you should know better dwellers, really. <laughs> yes, I know. And I'm old enough to be your dad. Yeah, I know. We've done all that. <laughs> I'd already, I, I wasn't convinced by, to make it clear, in our personal history, I wasn't convinced by uh, by Roland or anything. I'd got to know him because of my own leanings. So, Roland, Hello. Your, uh, your Brexit journey goes back quite a long way, so I would want to get a bit into that. Where would you, where would you start? Gosh, where, where would I start? start? So I would start in about 1989, 1990, so the end of Thatcher's reign. Um, so yeah, it was kind of around that time that she'd done her Bruges speech, uh, Delors had done his speech to the uh, TUC, this was in the autumn of 18. Apologised speech that it became. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, which at that time was very controversial, what she said, uh, to the point that her hosts uh, were really kind of almost spitting feathers straight after it. Um, and I, I thought this was interesting. It was Europe was not something I'd ever thought about as an issue. Um, I was what twenty two at the time, um, so I was pretty uh, green behind the gills and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I think that I just thought this was interesting, and I, and I just started to take a bit more notice of it. And at first, I thought, well, how can you actually object to this thing that is taking place um, and that we are a part of? Um, because you know peace and closeness and free trade and you know all those things it's kind of yeah. why why would you not be be behind that and slowly but surely I, I think I just uh, I started picking things up along the way particularly under the influence of, of Thatcher and and also some Labour backbenchers as well who I thought yeah you're, you're saying things that kind of make sense to me but it was all very innocent really not fully understood um, but it came to a very point. Different time, right? Yeah, it was it's very such different, different time. Context to, to where we are now. It's, it's yeah. very strange, a long history. Very, very much yeah. so. Very, very different. Um, but it kind of got to a point where I, the Bruges group kicked off. I think in '89, and there was some time after that. Its founder Patrick Robertson was interviewed by GQ of all magazines, and it was that that I saw in W. H. Smith's, and his picture, his picture was on it, and I thought. I'm going to buy that and read about this guy. And it just... You are so cool. <laughs> I don't think I've ever bought GQ in my life before. I didn't even know barely what it was. Yeah, that's why you bought <laughs> GQ. That's right. It's just like, hey, look, I'm, I'm officially a cosmopolitan now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I saw that and I thought, yeah, I, I need to do something about this because I'm starting to get a bit animated by this stuff. And, uh, and I got in touch with him. Uh, Patrick Robertson and uh, he said oh yeah come on come on in let's have a chat so I went down to Westminster to have a chat in his office um, I think his little dog was there and there was a couple of others there as well who I remember um, just stuffing leaflets and whatnot and uh, he said yeah actually we're I'm, I'm looking to spread out of Westminster a bit at the minute um, you're in Oxford as I was um, why don't we start there he said I know Oxford a bit because he'd kind of dropped out of college from there and uh, and he said, here's a list of people in your area, in and around Oxford. 
And the one at the bottom of the list there, he's definitely worth looking up. He's a guy called Dan Hannon. He's at Oriel. He's a history student. And he's got a bit of an operation going on there. But definitely tie up with him and tie up with a few others. And it just kicked off from there. And, uh, and never really kind of looked back. But it was, it, was, it was kind of a bit of a, dare I say it, sort of club, cultural kind of thing. Um, right. And Euroscepticism, I've made this point on Twitter as well recently, Euroscepticism then was very much kind of, and this is going to sound perverse now, it was very much kind of, we're the people in the know. We are the people who've looked into this. And all you guys who just think it's all about peace and love and, you know, making trade a bit easier you're lost, you know, I can quote you Article 236 of the Maastricht Treaty, as it was a couple of years later. Yeah, where's your peace and love now kind of thing. So we were kind of in the vanguard, we were in the forefront of really understanding this, where where, where all the people, the sheeple, didn't actually understand it. And yeah. and Patrick Robertson even said to me, he said, you know, we, we us, us two, we could make the psychological switch to uh, to believing in the EU as or the EEC as was um, as as our kind of primary quotes nation unquote he said but it's it's the other people they won't get it and it's it's for them that we're fighting for this we are fighting for the people and I thought yeah okay I'm in for a bit of that and a bit of swashbuckling and that's where it starts yeah exactly yeah that's a We've um, done Brexit in a previous episode where I talked about my own personal uh, issues with it. And, um, it's kind of, yeah, it's, I, I see parallels there, but mine was, was a far more condensed space of time. But um, I can see how you would get enticed into that, especially when we've got some people there have really gone on to be right in the forefront of, yeah. of Euroscepticism. Um, yeah. And there was a lot, uh, you know, it seems to me like there was a bit more thinking behind it then as well. It obviously became, has become, uh, a populist or whatever you want to call it, sort of movement, mm. nationalistic movement. Um, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, uh, so that's so well, that that was taking you up to the ninety, late nineties, early 90, uh, mid nineties. Yeah, I mean, I think it probably. Um, so yeah, I was involved up to I don't know ninety seven, and of course then Blair came yeah. in. And uh, yeah. and the fun kind of went out of it because you know all those backbench battles with John Major's government just just vanished yeah. overnight and the whole thing just went away. Um, yeah. And as it happened, I had my first child uh, with my wife, um, and family life just and work intervened um, for a while. And it went a bit into the background actually for quite some time. Yeah, because the yeah the a strong government where there's literally no chance of that ever really being an issue mm-hmm. um, and yeah so uh, at the same time so that's quite an interesting interesting that at the same time politically it became mar- even more marginalised than it already was your it, you in your personal life became distracted from it so where do you pick up back up from there where does this become uh, something you're involved in and passionate about again so. Uh... It was around the Lisbon Treaty and the signing of the Lisbon Treaty. So I think my first ever tweet was something about um, the Lisbon Treaty has been signed and the leader of the Conservative Party has basically nothing to say about it um, because it was signed under Gordon Brown uh, rather sheepishly. And and it just started from there. I mean, sitting out on Twitter, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing. I heard Stephen Fry kept going on about it and I was quite a fan of Stephen Fry, actually, and I still am. Um, 
and eventually I just thought, oh no, this is a, this is an interesting place. I'll try it. So yeah, it's it kind of that's that's where I got back into it. But again, not massively. It was just kind of there, and you know what Twitter's like. You you just get drawn in. Um, yeah, well, that's 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 where yeah that's 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 definitely where what drew me in reading. Well, at first it was reading certain things and seeing certain videos, and then then it gets into social media around for me I think as well. I don't know, 2015-ish, yeah, 14. So, so it seems the stages, isn't there? And then it rapidly, the whole movement changes, changes, and changes, and then and and then when the reality of it, it just became another populist movement, yeah, which was completely lost on us. So, but that's, so, yeah, but that's really late, though. I mean, we've got to remember this: that the whole populism thing is really late in the day that that became yeah. very, very obvious. You know, people were still talking about EFTA, still talking about EEA, including Aaron Banks, as we well yeah. know, right Just up to the point that the referendum started. And this is kind of so this, is, this is mainstream figures talking about uh, yeah. solutions to Brexit that involve staying in single market, keeping freedom of movement, um, you know, economic self-interests and, and cooperation up till the referendum, basically. Yeah. Um, the, the, the vote leave campaign and the leave EU campaign were both very populist in the way they were campaigned, but the explosion of that really came after, I think, in, in that there was, it became that, that all get thrown out the window almost immediately. Yeah. Um, the whole idea of it has to be, it, and it just became more and more extreme from there. The whole, was it the Overton window? Yeah. Well, it's just sort of, it's sort of, shifting all the time. It sort of built on itself, I think, during the actual campaign. Um, it just it just kind of snowballed and it started out very reasonable. Um, yes. I mean, remember, don't forget, I mean, vote leave at the beginning. There were even questions whether they really believed in leave. You had yeah, like, there was, that's actually, it's so, it's so funny <laughs> you should say that, there was actually, yeah, there was a lot of just discussion at the time about whether they were, they, they just wanted a, a better deal or something it was all fair. Yeah, Matthew Elliott even said something like, if there's a second tier of, of the EU, count us in. And this was pretty late in the day, and he's he's the leader yeah. of the Vote Leave group. So, so we're up to just post referendum, Matt. Um, I know we've discussed this previously, so but where are you on that subject? When does this even come? Uh, I mean, you've not shown the level of obsession or, uh, of either of us two, obviously. More of a we're talking to more. It's like more of a voters' perspective. You went as a, didn't it didn't become an interest or anything like that. But when did it become on your radar? Was it more closer to the time or of the referendum or when it was, you know, news, news, news? Or was it just, did you just not care throughout most of it or what? Yeah, I've got to be honest, I really didn't care that much about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it probably did, it probably did come, yeah, when when the when the referendum was, was set. Um, I mean, obviously being friends with you, I had, I had like a, a bit of an awareness of it. Um, ben believes this, so they're definitely, definitely wrong. Definitely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Ben? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting because I always like viewed it as this populist thing, and I think lots of people on the outside of it did like just see it kind of on a surface level. You just see the the emotion of it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So that's all I saw it as. I didn't see, you know, the, the, I understood you had like rational reasons for doing it, but every every time you'd hear people talking about it on TV or whatever, it seemed like very much they were playing to the emotions. I mean, like they're doing, you know, mm. elections. Yeah. Um, 
and it, that, then that, that that became I think it, things started derailing with you know when the, the angle about uh, Turkey joining the EU vote leave went with that and then the EU dot EU went with and Nigel Farage with some really grim yeah. uh, uh, advertisements and and things and campaign techniques yeah. and, and then when once the once the political process started the part which I think really took Brexit, my Brexit theory and Roland's Brexit theory and just spent the next four years smashing it into our faces how wrong we went, which is fun. Well, I, I, um, I think it's interesting, actually, that Matt, you as an outsider who wasn't that interested in this stuff, you could see what we could not see. And, and I've heard that many times since, that people are saying, I wasn't actually that interested in this. It was only when the result came through and blah, 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 blah. I just thought, oh, my God. Yeah, this is this is absolutely appalling, and I just think we were too close to it. And we, it goes back yeah. to this kind of arrogance thing. We just felt we were in the know. We felt we knew this was how was that, how it was going to pan out, and the civil service would kick in, and the British state would generally kick in, and some Remainers thought this as well, and we would just end up in a fairly soft place, and it just yeah. never happened. Yeah, but that's yeah. I've said in the in the past episode. I think it was kind of. Uh, me personally created a bubble for myself. It was a kind of social, ideological bubble for for myself, and then involving other people who thought the same things. Um, and then, yeah, I guess if you're an outsider, you can just look at two sides and go, mm, "I can't really see the benefit." That looks kind of like, you know, as I said, he said, born on immersion and risky and etc. But I know what you mean about looking back. I mean, I, I sort of look back to those times now, and I just think, what on earth was I doing? It, it, it is just. <laughs> Did nobody think like Nigel Farage? Like, if he's voting the same way as me, that's well, no. Not you a see, good sign. It, I don't... this is now, this has come up so many times, and I, I think it's spot on. So I had worked on the theory for twenty five years that it doesn't particularly matter who's on your side. As long as you have worked it out and you've done all the due diligence necessary, then it's fine. Um, and that's just unfortunate. And it just turned out that theory was just utter, utter bollocks. Uh, <laughs> like you would not believe. And, and I'm just, uh, and I get it now. And it really is. I mean, you've seen this with the COVID denial stuff as well. You know, just yeah, look no, at who's all... saying it. Look at who's saying it. That's all you need the to know. Is, that's a new interest, isn't it? Yeah, it's a new interest. Uh, sorry, everyone who voted Remain again. I have said sorry many yeah, times and sorry. frustrated myself before you, so I don't think I need to fucking go on away too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all your fault, Ben, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I swung it, you know. It's funny, though. Anyway. There was a guy, I was going to say there was a guy at work on you at the time. I said, well, what are you doing? Which way are you voting? Because we, we kind of touched on it in a lunchtime or something. He said, I'm not voting. And I was just horrified by this. And now I think he's an absolute <laughs> yeah. bloody genius. He's an absolute genius. <laughs> he, said, he just said, I, <laughs> I don't know enough about it. I just don't know enough to vote. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to look back and make the, the, the leaps you'd make and, and the way you can just shut off certain things that are obvi- seem so obvious. Yeah. Think now. But it was a long, long fucking time there now. But I don't know about you, but I mean, what I discovered is that you don't fully see it until the bubble around you breaks. So something yeah. has to penetrate the bubble that, that you have around yourself, this world that you've created for yourself, 
where everything sort of holds together logically, something has to penetrate that first, and then the whole thing just falls apart. And, and then suddenly you can see everything. Really That's what helps with that. It's, it's, there's lots of things pricking the, the bubble we're in, but then uh, this, we, we, we fell out with the people who were um, <laughs> we were working with during the campaign, Richard North and his son Pete North. Yeah. Um, we fell out with them for various reasons, and, uh, and that then popped that bubble. There was no longer a social bubble, and we, I think, began, you know, just seeing seeing it for what it was. It's a great point, actually. It's a great point. I, I think that helped us, actually. Yeah, so that, that I think probably accelerated the process because yeah. oh, these, these people who helped me solidify my uh, things I was already thinking help, um, and gave me some kind of intellectual foundation for it, uh, fall out with them and then see through them. Yes. And then, then that rapidly, you know, it was like getting your, your, your opening your mind again, basically. Yeah. But the, fi- the final moment for me that kicked it over the edge, ultimately, was Northern Ireland. It was that. Uh, I was being pressed on Twitter about something by, by two ladies who, who were on, on the Remain side. And they don't even know this, actually, so I'm revealing something here. But it was actually them who caught me in a bit of a trap. Uh, and I just ended up deleting tweets. And they were going, oh, God, have you seen he's deleted his tweets? And blah, 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 blah. And it was at that moment I just thought, right, just this is it. I've had it. I've, I'm done. Uh, I'm out. Yeah. It was Duncan Bannon time. Uh, the, the warning came from John Merger about Northern Ireland before, and that was another thing we were able to just be like, no, no, be fine. And now I'm looking, uh, I think it was last week, or I can't remember exactly, recently, a photo with um, a graffiti in, in Northern Ireland, uh, and this, it was targets for border patrol and border, yeah. border, border staff. Basically, you know, targets, you know, threatening them. Basically, yeah. And that's that's where we are with North Island. Something I brushed off because that's what Brexiteers did. Yeah, because um, ANPR but, cameras would solve it. In yeah, the end. all that's that stuff. Yeah, easy solutions. Simplism, Simplism. as uh, the, the, <laughs> the phrase and ideology or whatever it is, the theory of Rowlands, which has spread like wildfire once again. I think you might actually have coined Brexiteer as well, but you know, you're not going to get credit for that. No, that's fair enough. So I'm not sure I want it. That's that's the Brexit journey. You, you just said that Roland had coined the term symplism. You're not even going like, to explain just to explain what it is or anything. Well, maybe you should be directing the podcast a bit more like you normally do. You're being too quiet. <laughs> don't, don't leave me. Why am I driving? <laughs> Roland, can you explain? What's, what, what's that, Roland? So what is symplism? So it's actually an extension of something that's always happened, which is politicians um, tend to boil down complex messages into simple slogans. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a form of selling. It's a form of marketing. But what simplism is, is it takes it further, is it, it forgets that behind all those slogans, there is policy. There is real policy. But in simplism, there isn't. It is literally just a slogan and a set of slogans. So it just operates at that level. Everything is, how hard can it be? You know, why can't you just, you know, have not have a border between Northern Ireland and Ireland? How hard could it be? You know, we all like each other. How hard could it be? And it's just boiled down to that level. There is no depth, nothing. There are no policy people lined up behind the politicians explaining what this actually means in practice. There's nothing. It's just slogans. They live on slogans, particularly three word ones. 
And that's the former Brexiteers speaking. And then I think former Brexiteers are going to be important in the way forward if uh, if we're going to undo some of the damage. Mm. Uh, and yeah, Roland, you're very much with Brexit. It's for you. You're very much, you know, I thought I was out, but they keep pulling me back in. I think I've got to rematch that quote from Godfather there. <laughs> um, yeah, but keep getting pulled back into it, don't you, when you want to just walk away. Same yeah. here. I decided earlier... Last year, I'm not fucking talking about this anymore. Yes, I was wrong, and it's just going to roll on. It's just going to roll on, and there's nothing. There's nothing I can do to what more can I say? And now, now I'm talking about it again in podcasts and in articles and on Twitter. So can't get away from it. So that's the punishment, I guess. <laughs> I think you had it right though to walk away. I, I think yeah. I just need to leave this totally. Forget it. Um, uh, but I'm constantly seeking some kind of redemption. Um, because I'm, yeah, I just think it's such a disaster. Yeah, I want redemption. Or money. Both, money. both at the same time would be good. Yeah. <laughs> I can redeem myself while making money. Yeah. That's why, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Mm. Nothing at all. <laughs> we have to live. We have to live. <laughs> I do like a bit of like pop psychology so the um there was a something wrong and i, I don't really don't want to offend anyone <laughs> um roland you mentioned a, 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 a couple of times when you're talking about like when you first got into brexit and it was um it was like you you knew something that other people didn't and like the sheeple were going all, along with uh the status quo and they didn't really understand the, what was best for them and you described it as arrogant a couple of times um, and it made me think. Um, when, no way you then asked me about. Well, you then asked me like oh, what my experience of it, of it was. I think for me, it's like one, one of my personal fears is always like the fear of being found out and like the that fear of like yeah being caught out in a lie or not. Not I'm, I'm just so far from like you'd have really hated that myself in that situation where where yeah. I think I know more than other people. Um, that that that's that's like a mortal kind of fear for me that, that I would never be able to be, get swept up in something like that. Um, because it's just my character. So what do you think that says about you as people? I mean, I know, Ben, I know, obviously, you. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I am an arrogant person. So, you know, I think you've said many, many times what an arrogant con I am on this podcast. Um, so, <laughs> That's what I'm and, and It's a good phrase. So. Yeah, if I have been an ego, it, it's, it's a bit, And being also, I was, I was sort of kind of lost in not really understanding what I thought about politics for, for a long time and was going all over the place here and there and then it became something I was able to latch onto. As I learned out, you know, my very short political history is that I voted Labour and was going on and on about it on Facebook so everyone should vote Labour in 2010 and afterwards thought, why do I think, why did I, why was I so bothered and what do I actually think? And then I thought, actually I'm really not sure about any of the things I think about it at all so I'm, I'm not sure actually I'm even very well informed. So I spent a long time trying to learn and, you know, going here and there. And then eventually here comes this thing where I'm like, and, and I managed to fall into this trap of, of, of something reassuringly feeling like it was, I felt certain about something, get passionate about something. And, um, yeah. So 
It is arrogant. Yeah, it is, it is arrogant. You're right, Matt. Enjoy it. Lap it up. It was. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, no, 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 no to understand something or think I understand something in huge depth that, that logically held together um, in, in all sorts of ways through books, through quotes that, you know, people, things, things people had said on the other side of the argument um, and history as well, that all kind of fitted in. And you could, you could create this perfectly formed mesh of things that together formed something that that just made sense. It made sense, and 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 I suppose looking back in the end, that that's kind of what ideology is. It it, it kind of all holds together. There is an absolute truth there that you have discovered, um, but it's just on that. It's not necessarily in the rest of life at all. Uh, and this is why we go on about it because we we feel we're experts in it. We feel we know about it. It's something we can talk about in depth. Now, there may be other things we can talk about in depth as well, work or whatever, but nonetheless, it's it's not some universe. I mean, I suffer from imposter syndrome like, like anybody else. It's a very different experience, um, I think, to, from, for you, from your perspective that you've described um, in this discussion and mine to get to get into something quite rapidly. That's, that, that's where, and that, that's yeah. where wanting the, needing the certainty at the time and being arrogant about my yeah. my self assured for periods of time, I sometimes I flip between them, but at the time was full of it, and it's, it's to a different yeah. perspective there. So, but Roland, you said about you know you felt uh, you you yeah you worry about have imposter syndrome. So in this, in a sense, you have been caught out here, haven't you? Yeah, and totally. Like that, how does that how does that feel then? Like, <laughs> done, uh, no, no, it's it's totally. A, it, I think it's an absolutely great question. <laughs> Because, I mean, I'm just, I'm on a bit of a kind of voyage of self-discovery and have been for the last three years. Um, and I don't mean that in a really profound way. I'm not sort of become massively evangelistic, religious or anything. <laughs> uh, mo- most people look at me and go, well, it's st- still the same old bloke that we know. Occasionally cracks stupid jokes and all that stuff. But, but beneath, um, it, it has absolutely uh, changed me in the sense that it's, it has opened up mental doors that I didn't know were there, that I didn't know that were shut, um, and and I just I just see things much more in the round now. Um, I think uh, I mean I might be wrong about that, but I I'm doing it now. You see, I, I'm just kind of I'm always prepared to to hear the other side, except except where I know because I've been there, I've walked that road. I know that it is fundamentally flawed um and that's what i feel about brexit so yes i can come across very strongly to people who are still brexiters um and they think i'm a rejoiner and some bastard who's in the pockets of brussels and whatever but i just think it is so so flawed and has been shown to be as such um but yeah it has it has changed me i think i i feel a lot more mature i mean i'm very mature anyway um so i think there's a bit of that going on as well but uh yeah it has been a hell of an experience and a good one ultimately 
I do think that, that, that yeah, that is, if there's any benefit there personally, it's learning a fucking lesson. And it's, uh, yeah. But. Yeah, I'd kind of rather we didn't in some ways. But, well, yeah, yeah, I'd much rather that we uh, just uh, I had realised I was wrong in the first place, and then but also that wouldn't have exactly swung it. I just wish it hadn't happened, basically. But 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 do you though? But do you though? Because we we I think we're we're respected by a reasonable number of people out there. I mean, you you've got you've had columns in national publications, yeah, Matt, uh, on online and show. all over the place. I will, I will not be censored, man. I mean, my, my, I, I describe this as my second life. You know, this is my second life. It's not my first life. Mm. But my second life is, is more famous, more well-known than my first. I've, I've had someone come up to me in Tesco and, and go, aren't you that so-and-so? On that guy on Twitter. And I'm going, you was. Rowan was on Newsnight um, talking about Brexit. I was on RT at three o'clock in the morning on the day of the Euro referendum. Absolutely pissed off my head. And so, <laughs> uh, never been on TV since. Uh, so there's a, there's an interesting difference between us and two. Was that was that when they described you as Ben from Barnsley? Was it that one? Like, oh no, that was a different. One. No, was that different? I wasn't. I wasn't Ben from Barnsley. <laughs> I wasn't inebriated then. I'd been in the, my my brother's uh, pub that he was managing at the time in London, um, near Camden, um, for many, many hours, many, many hours, and been drinking a long, long time. I don't think it was obvious I was drunk. I ju- just the whole thing was incredibly surreal, and I think I was probably just more like a frightened gerbil, wondering what the fuck I was doing. There. <laughs> and so I was getting made up because I was sweating. I was like, I was like, why am I there? Is a bus? I was like, what the fuck is this? Because it was a TV studio. At the time, I didn't realise, you know, quite quite to level it with a disreputable channel it was. I knew it was a bit shitty, but I thought, well, I could get some into something, you know, a bit of practice, just see what it's like before I do anything that anyone's actually ever going to watch. That was it. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I was drunk. So if anyone has ever did see it, then it didn't bite or anything. <laughs> it was three a.m. in the morning. I was in the pub for all day. But yeah, it was awful. I've said I've said this elsewhere though. I mean, you know, in the end, we're two ordinary guys, I and mean, let, let's be frank about it. And 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 yeah, there we were. We were on, you know, TV stations, national TV stations. I was on Sky News as well. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was having a sovereignty discussion with John Majors, a Europe advisor, Sir Stephen Wall. I mean, you know, alarm bells should have gone off at that point in my head. Like I'm an ordinary bloke representing i i am the intellectual front of leave hang on a minute <laughs> is this not slightly worrying <laughs> some bloke off the street <laughs> brexit means breakfast brexit means breakfast brexit means breakfast in the uk Mark my words we will make breakfast. Brexit a success. The government is hurtling towards a, yes, a chaotic breakfast that will damage our economy. Brexit or not breakfast. Brexit means Brexit means breakfast means breakfast. <laughs> I don't remember anybody ever talking about hard Brexit or soft Brexit. It was just Brexit or not breakfast. More than half a nation. More than half a nation. 
Yeah. Um, so we we need we wanted to talk a bit about some bold predictions, didn't we? Oh, yeah. We'll go and keep it snappy. Keep it snappy. Yeah. Give it snappy. And also, <laughs> you're, you're the one who needs to keep it fucking snappy. Yeah. No. Uh, also, Roland, question to you. I keep forgetting because when the questions ask, I always answer it first. That's happened on almost every 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 single guest episode. So here's a question for the guest, which I'll answer and then ask you. Oh yeah, what do you think about this also? I think ultimately it is going to creep back in the direction of the EU. I'm not saying it will rejoin. I really don't think we will. But I think just imperceptibly almost little things will start being put in place here and there. What I don't know is, is the timescale for that. I just don't. I have no idea because I have no trust in the people in charge at all. Literally none. Um, and I don't think there's anyone in there who is a, a sobering influence. I think they're all in, on the same page as each other, which is really bad. Um, so I don't know, but I think I think it can only go that way. Going, going WTO rules is just, you know, everything that we've seen now. That's, yeah, that's the only further extreme we could go from here as well. Yeah, it's and it would just be even worse. And where do you go from there? Mm. Nowhere. There is nowhere to go. So I, I think just gravity, again... Will will do its job, and in the end, our, our destiny is somewhere in the middle. We were in, not in, and some some point we'll be out, not out. And I guess that's the argument we made. Basically, summed up my thoughts again. So one step ahead of me, or maybe a few again. Uh, basically, yeah, that's why. I, that's why. I'm... You asked him the question. He answered the question. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. But but, but I, well, that's under, all I'm saying is that's exactly. What I think, where I where I am with it, and, and got not much more. Nothing more I could add to that, really. Cool. Where are you now, Matt? Being fucking snug. That's where. Snug <laughs> over there. <laughs> Loves it. It's a whole episode where he's like, well, "I wasn't wrong." It's it's pretty nice. <laughs> Come on. It's gonna be a little bit nice. Yeah, we'll no, no, not at all. <laughs> no. Well, no, you, but no. yeah, it's not. Mate, this is one of the things where it's not actually that great being right about it, is it? I suppose no, because I, I wasn't like having arguments with people about it. No, I right. So, so I don't, I don't feel any vindication about being. No, true. Not, not voting for it. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about something else? <laughs> Oh, I did have one thing, actually. Okay. So Ben's, uh, Roland, Ben's referred to you before when he's told me about you probably a while ago now. I'm worried about He referred this. to you as, as his his Brexit wife. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Was that in the last... You fucking said it, mate. Was this in the last year? Because I probably don't remember saying it. Yeah, it was <laughs> in the last year, yeah. That's it's, a lot been, of it's been interesting places. Yeah. <laughs> past year. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember saying that. That's interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, we 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 have been the closest oh, two people. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm more your dad actually. Um, but we have <laughs> Who's been your dad the two closest. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Richard North to your Pete North. Um, no, let's not go there. Um, but no, I yeah. I think we have just been very close um, in terms of what we've what our outlook was uh, throughout the period since 2015. Uh, essentially, so right the way through all of this, and because so, yeah, well, essentially, I, I, I would be I following. I followed a uh, began following a developed movement, which you were in a much earlier stages of. Really, is essentially. Yeah. 
that, that's yeah. What, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But, uh, there you go. But nothing, nothing sexual. <laughs> Uh, no, no. I don't know. Oh, yeah. At least from your, your point of view. I've, I've We're only about met 150 him. miles apart, aren't we? I've only met him once. Uh, <laughs> didn't get. Didn't, didn't. One thing didn't lead to another. Is, is that only once? I suppose it is, isn't it? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Only, I, I noted to my wife the other day that I've known you. Well, known you in in a sense of online how you know somebody. Um, for I don't know four years or well more than four years. But yeah. it, the other day it was the third time I'd hear you, heard your voice, and the second time was you're on TV. <laughs> this is probably the fourth <laughs> time. So, yeah, strange, yeah. strange, strange little acquaintanceship, friendship online. It's yeah, online world, I guess. Yeah, indeed. I am your online friend. That sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Yeah, but we, I mean, I, I, we, I, one of the reasons we didn't, <laughs> we didn't meet is because the, the group that we were a part of you know, fell apart all of us immediately left the referendum mm-hmm. and we were ejected from it. So there was never been yeah, yeah. anything that brought us together in that, in, in, in a, you know, to, to meet again, I guess. Yeah. So, and we are some distance apart as well, geographically. Um, so yeah, that, that just makes it very difficult. Which made it actually, it was a very pleasant conversation. So I, I enjoyed that. Well, that's good. Hope <laughs> someone else does, that's but that's, you know, I mean, <laughs> Oh, you mean this was? Sorry, I thought you meant when you when you met each other. This was a pleasant conversation. Yes, I okay. did. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Right. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Robert. That's no problem at all. Happy to do so. It's been great fun. Thanks. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Ron. It's really nice to meet you as well. Yeah, and you. And you. I'd say, you know, well, I don't know if we have some regular, we do have regulars and I might wonder where we've been. Um, basically, I went mental for a bit. That's it. I'm not very PC way of putting it, but I'm mentally old enough to get away with it. So uh, I flipped my lid, lost my shit for a while and couldn't do doing with the podcast. That's where I was, as sure many are. So, uh, but we're back now. Um, and just going to worry a new podcast every two weeks. Your mental life raft is back, isn't it? Your mental life raft is back. We're gonna we're gonna get get, get yeah. you back in the saddle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not just like clinging back to reality. <laughs> monged out on the sofa, like it's like nah, not really knowing how to function. Yeah, fun, mm-hmm. fun few weeks. So that's a grim way to end it. But I'm feeling, oh, no, I'm feeling much better now. Feeling much better now. I'm just going to round up. I'm mentally ill. Great. The podcast is called The Great Unraveling for a reason. One, because we couldn't come up with a name and someone else suggested the phrase and then we've later fitted a meaning into it. But it's quite it. The fucking last year was a great unraveling, that's for sure. Um, anyway, it's been fantastic to talk to you again, Roland. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and you. Yeah. And both Thank of you. you. Yeah, absolutely. New episode in two weeks. Don't fuck, don't, no, I have no fucking idea what it's about, so I'll tell you online. Check us out at, at UnravelPod on Twitter.